What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Take Three Podcast. Uh, we're back again. Super wild card weekend, as the NFL is uh, labeling it, is uh, coming up. So, yeah, I mean, you have Super Wild Card Weekend coming up. We got to bring in a uh, guest. As always, we have Alex on here, and then we're bringing in Blaine back from, I think it's his second appearance on the uh, podcast. I think he was on last year for the Open Championship, a little bit of golf talk. So, it's always good to. Uh, have him on for now a little bit of NFL talk. It should be uh, interesting. Obviously, um, some crazy stuff happened. We'll talk about just super briefly uh, with week 18. Obviously, the Colts and Carson Wentz fumbled a bag. The Colts, we laughed about it all week, got the full Carson Wentz experience. Um, and yeah, that ends up with you not being in the playoffs. So it is what it is there. And then we watch uh, the Brandon Staley experience on Sunday Night Football where uh, my man goes for it on fourth and one from his 18 yard line. I think it was, and just, I, I don't know what that was. It's like, I was all in on Brandon Saley at the beginning of the season. And then he just completely went uh, down Hill. And then uh, on the NFC side, we just got the surprising, the Rams choke away a 17 point lead. They still win the, uh, the NFC West, but it's not really a good feeling uh, winning the NFC West that way. So, I mean, I'll lead in with uh, Blaine. We'll get you going uh, right off the bat. How'd you feel about uh, week 18? Uh, just real quick with all that stuff that uh, went on. Yeah, I mean, the shockers to me are definitely what you said. The Colts, actually, I guess three. The Colts losing and then a byproduct of that, the Steelers who had like a 2% chance of getting into the playoffs two weeks ago. Uh, somehow sneaking in by virtue of tying the Lions with uh, the Mason Rudolph game. And then, of course, the Saints just getting jobbed by the Rams. I know they felt good in the Superdome. You know, fans are probably seeing the score 17-0. They thought they were, you know, they they literally thought the Saints were marching into the playoffs, and uh, that didn't happen. So I, I think you pretty much nailed it. Facts. Alex, you got any quick thoughts on uh, week 18, how that made you uh... – what was your reaction to kind of the Colts blowing it? I mean, it was hilarious, but I mean, any quick thoughts on that before we jump into the uh, playoffs? Uh, hard, hard to get hard to get there without Jameis for the Saints, right? Got to spin it around one last time. Uh, not surprised with the Niners, though. I said Niners win by a field goal. They did that, so I'm very happy with the Niners. Uh, I like them again. We'll get into that. Uh, really just the Carson Wentz experience, right? Being a Colts fan, my goodness, dude, you go back-to-back weeks – beating the Cardinals and the Patriots only to choke it away against the Jags. <clears throat> it's it's hard to get worse than that, right? Carson Wentz looks good a few weeks and then looks bad. It's like the whole experience of Carson in a month basically sums up his career right there. Facts. And, I mean, the Colts are going to get super dicey uh, heading into the offseason. I assume at some point we'll talk about it. But uh, the comments from Wentz and Frank Reich, it seems like the uh, relationship could be on uh, some uh, some thin ice, I'll say, after reading uh, into that. So it would be, uh, be super interesting to see if the uh, Colts actually have the balls to pivot off. But, I mean, let's not worry about them. They obviously uh, didn't make the playoffs. Let's jump straight in. The uh, first game on the wild card slate, obviously, Saturday afternoon. Uh, 4.30 Eastern, we got the Las Vegas Raiders who slide in, surprised us all, honestly. Uh, shout out to the interim coach. That guy did a hell of a job with everything that went on there. Uh, usually a team fumbles like that, but he kept the train going. They finished 10-7. and seven. They get a matchup with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals in uh, Cincinnati, a rematch where the uh, Bengals won 32-13 in uh, Las Vegas at the beginning of the year. But, I mean, obviously the Raiders, they're, uh, they're hot now. They're kind of getting uh, it together, marching in. <clears throat> and it's uh, obviously playoff debut for both quarterbacks. We know the uh, Bengals' offensive line, not the greatest. Burrow has been hit like 900 times in two years. Um, and the Raiders, they like to attack the quarterback, but they're uh, front four and get after him. So, I mean, 
what do you guys see here? This is really, I mean, when I look at it, if there's any game that could really be an upset, I mean, maybe San Fran Dallas, but I think this one, if Las Vegas was able to beat the Bengals, I think this would be like one of the uh, bigger upsets of the weekend, I would say, because most people would, they're going to ride with the Bengals. But I think the Raiders have a uh, hell of a shot to go on the road and uh, beat the unproven Bengals in the playoffs. But I mean, how are you feeling, Alex? What do you see uh, going into this game? I I think this is going to be actually really competitive. I like the Bengals to win money line wise, but like if I was picking the spread here, I like the Raiders plus five. I think they're going to keep it pretty competitive. They're getting healthy, right? And you can attack this Cincinnati defense over the middle. You can get Darren Waller, which they love to do, who's finally healthy again on those crossing routes. Derek Carr is playing really well. The Raiders have what it takes to upset the Bengals here. I don't think they get it done. I think they keep it competitive. But <clears throat> with that passing attack and Josh Jacobs is running well, but you can really attack this Bengals defense over the middle. And I think that like Derek Carr, Waller, and Renfro set up perfectly for it. Yeah, for sure. I like uh, everything that the Raiders bring to the table. And then obviously when you see the other side of the ball, when you got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, uh, those guys, this definitely has a – Chance to be a, uh, a fun one to watch, I would say. Blaine, what do you see here in uh, Cincinnati? Well, I'll tell you, the least surprising thing is that they put this game as the early Saturday game. Uh, we kind of joked about who would get that slot last week. And uh, if you look at the matchups as they panned out, I think they, they chose the perfect game to be uh, the leadoff <laughs> game that will only be cared about regionally. But uh, in terms of more serious stuff, I think – I think the Raiders do match up fairly well, uh, especially if they can get pressure on Burrow. Uh, as we've seen the last couple weeks, he will just torch your secondary. But, you know, as we hear all the time, the, the pass rush has to kind of be married with the secondary, especially if your secondary is a little underwhelming like Las Vegas is. is. Um, but, I mean, with Ngakwe and, and Max Crosby, you got to feel like they can, you know, they do have they do have the people up front to be able to, you know, give a weaker Bengals offensive line some issues. But if they can't do that, uh, I, I don't I don't know that, you know, even Carr and Waller and Renfro and the offense will be able to keep up because you got Burrow thrown for like 900 yards and eight touchdowns over the final two weeks of the season. And uh, they're really catching a rhythm. So I think you're going to really have to rattle him early, get him thinking about the pass rush and, uh, you know, get him kind of in his head about his own offensive line. And then maybe that in turn, gets into Zach Taylor's head with some of the play calling and it turns into a Mixon game. I know Mixon had a lot of success the first time they played Las Vegas, but I don't put too much stock into that. Uh, first of all, it was, you know, it was in Las Vegas. So the venue is going to be entirely different, but sometimes we see these stories. We've seen it for, you know, the two decades that we've all been watching football. When a team beats a team pretty handily in the regular season, it doesn't always, have any uh impact on the postseason game and a lot of times we've seen upsets so i mean i i do think the Bengals. i would give them the edge on paper to get their first playoff win since 1990 but i did take the raiders spread uh immediately in a teaser after their walk-off field goal sunday night and i will say that line moved because i i got on i got on it immediately and it was plus 6.5 at open and then the next day it was plus 4.5 and i think right now it's between plus 4.5 and 5 so all the sharps and all the money uh, do have some respect for the Raiders. Yeah, for sure. I think it's five and a half uh, right now. Super interesting about the Raiders defense. They get the uh, they lead the NFL in uh, QB pressures with 33.6, but they don't blitz. They have NFL low 14.4% blitz rate. So, I mean, they're really relying heavy on Ngakwe. 
and uh, Max Crosby. I think when I look at this game, it's uh, both debut, both uh, playoff debuts for these uh, quarterbacks. It's whatever quarterback can kind of settle in, get his feet under him and not make the big mistake, right? We've seen Joe Burrow like to turn the football over and uh, Derek Carr, uh, he can do the same thing. So I think when I look at it, it's what, uh, what coach and quarterback uh, won't get overwhelmed by the moment of the playoffs and kind of settle their uh, teams in and get the things moving. If, if the uh, Raiders are able to get after Burrow and attack that O-line and just chew that Bengals O-line up early, it could uh, it could be troublesome because it's going to have him slinging the rock quicker than he wants. It might, as you said, have Zach Taylor calling stuff that he doesn't want to call. So, I mean, when I look at the game, I'm looking to see what team can settle in first. And I don't know, I'm kind of, as the weeks went on, I'm kind of leaning Raiders to pull the upset in uh, Cincinnati, I don't know why. I just feel like there's gonna be there's gonna be one of those sort of like upsets. It's not massive that the Raiders go into Cincinnati and win, but uh, I think it would turn uh, turn some heads considering how good the uh, Bengals have played. And obviously, that game against the Chiefs uh, really had the uh, Bengals stock surging. But um, I don't know. It's just something about these uh, Raiders. They just won't they won't go away this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I have. The Bengals are also one and eight in, wild, in the wild card rounds. So I don't know. History doesn't uh, serve them well. Obviously, history doesn't really uh, mean uh, shit when you get to this point. But I don't know. I'm kind of I'm feeling the Raiders. I don't know why. But uh, I think it's going to be uh, one of the better games of the weekend. I will say that. The inexperience factor is really interesting to me. And I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because you have a, a lot of players on these teams, including both quarterbacks. They have never played a playoff game. So, like, the ability to settle in early will be huge, obviously. But, like, it worries me with Cincinnati because, like, all the young – like, their young core is all very inexperienced, right? This is the first all around, including coaching staff. And they were ready against the Chiefs. They looked really well as of late, but there's been times throughout the season where they kind of had expectations and you expect the Bengals to look good and they come up flat. So it's very interesting to me to see if they're going to have the Bengals ready to play, if they're not like, you know, two in their head, if they're going to settle down and like get it going. Exactly. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say too, I mean, I think sometimes this is overrated and I, and I don't like using this for every single matchup, matchup, but I would say specifically as it relates to the Raiders Bengals matchup, the Raiders come in having maybe, you know, the most the most pressure-free environment of, of any playoff team. And I think the Bengals, even though they're not supposed to win, you know, the AFC or go to the Super Bowl or anything like that, 31 years of not having won a playoff game, all the, you know, hoopla around Burrow and Chase and how good they've looked. And as Brandon said, you know, the win over Kansas City, I think – you know, you could say the Bengals have some of the most pressure on them, especially as it relates to the, the teams playing this weekend. And the Raiders, you know, I don't think they have any. I don't think they have any. I think their season was supposed to go up in flames when Gruden got bounced. I think it was supposed to go up in flames when Ruggs went up in flames. I think it was supposed to go up in flames when Waller was projected to miss the rest of the regular season. I don't think the Raiders were even supposed to be in this spot. They were six and seven. They won their final four games and they won them by a combined 12 total points. I could totally see a situation where Cincinnati's putting so much pressure on themselves and the Raiders are coming out playing freely. And, you know, there, there's, there's a lot more uh, experience between Carr and his guys than with uh, Burrow. And, you know, I know he played with Chase at LSU, but like you guys say, the young core, uh, they just haven't even been in the league as long as Derek Carr has. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, you, you hit the nail on the head and I'm not a guy that's like this guy played in the national championship at LSU. He knows what pressure is. I know that Saturday at four 30, that first drive when they take the field, there will be nerves for Joe Burrow um, for sure. And yeah, I mean, if the Raiders can get after him, hit him, uh, the inexperience, the forcing throws that could uh, come back to uh, bite them, right? The 500 yard games are fun, but I mean, you win playoff games and you win Super Bowls by playing clean football, not crazy football. So um yeah, and you're you're right. The Raiders are really they're playing with house money, right? They're just out there to have fun, as you said. Their season probably shouldn't have been should have been over. Should, they probably shouldn't even have been here right now if the Chargers uh, play like the Chargers uh, that we know. But um, yeah, there's a lot riding on the Bengals. A lot of history that uh, that group is trying to uh, end, and hey, we'll see if it uh, breaks them on Saturday. Any uh, closing thoughts? Actually, what's straight up? What's the, what's the pick? What do you guys? I'm going Raiders. I'm going out on a limb. I'm taking the Raiders. How about you guys? I got Raiders spread, but Bengals win. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that. I, I'd say probably Bengals 27, Raiders 24. So in that case, the Raiders would cover. But I think it's going to be close. And I, I'm not one of these people that's like, you know, the Bengals are world's better. Feel comfortable put, putting your money on them. If you ever feel comfortable putting your money on anything Cincinnati, uh, you should probably get checked out. <laughs> That's facts. Um, yeah, let's straight up move it into uh, Saturday night. We have the uh, third game. I'm not a huge fan of like third game matchups when it comes to just like the playoffs. I just feel like the third game's just not, it's just not going to be uh, what it is. But obviously, we got McCorkle Jones. Uh, leading his squad kind of stumbling into the playoffs, if we're being honest, stumbling into Buffalo. Um, obviously, Buffalo won the AFC East, um, coming on a four-game win streak heading into the playoffs, that everything seems to be functioning well in Buffalo through the backstretch, right? They could have fumbled somehow. They could have lost to Carolina. They could have somehow lost to Atlanta, even the Jets. And then, obviously, they win the rematch in Foxborough uh, when they lit up the uh, Patriots. And now we get them in the uh, the playoffs. Obviously, we know what the weather is going to be. It's projected to be like zero degrees. I think we you said it's supposed to feel like it's negative 20. Uh, the Bills were indoors all week. That doesn't really concern me. I mean, these guys have been outdoors plenty. Um, it's just preventative maintenance, I would say, at this point in the uh, season. And then we got Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, um, try, trying to win a playoff game with Bill Belichick. It seems like a month ago I was super hot on New England. Now I'm kind of uh, I'm off of New England. Um, I expect it to probably be a heavy run game again. Probably not. They'll throw more than three times. I don't think it's supposed to be as windy. Um, but yeah, I just don't know how uh, I don't see the Patriots winning, to be honest. I think Josh Allen's got the thing going. He's slinging the rock well. And I think they'll just be, uh, they'll be too much. I think all time, yeah, since now, since 2010, rookie QBs as uh, starters in the playoffs are two and eight. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I like Josh Allen heading into this weekend. The Bills put it back together. How are you guys uh, looking at this matchup? I don't think, I think this might be uh, take the rock as the uh, boring game of the weekend. If I had to pick one where I'm like, this game's probably going to suck. It's probably going to be this one, but uh, Alex, let's start with you. Uh, what are you seeing going into this one between the bills and the Patriots? Yeah. Not crazy excited for this third matchup. I think it's going to go pretty similar to the second one where the bills won by 12. Uh, I Mac Jones, it's like hard to trust a rookie going in. You get Bill Belichick and like that New England defense is good. It's very good. That offense is all right. Uh, this is not a great New England team. They uh, they finished well. 
they had a they had a good middle run. They didn't finish well, excuse me. And Buffalo finished really well, and they have been really getting it through the air. And I think it's going to be a similar matchup, right? The Patriots are going to try and to control the ground game. Uh, last game they lost by 12. You still had Damian Harris, 18 carries, almost six yards a carry, 5.7. So, like, I expect New England to be able to run the ball well, but I – think Mac Jones is going to make a mistake. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. I think New England as a team and Bill will have him ready to play, but this Bills team is experienced, right? AFC championship game appearance last year. They want to do go further this year. They want to do better. Josh Allen's been playing well. This is nobody's first time for Buffalo. So I think they go and they take care of business. They know New England very well, obviously third times uh, they're going to see each other this year. I'm just all Buffalo here. Uh, I think Bill will have that defense ready to go, but I think Mac Jones is just going to come up short, uh, make maybe a rookie mistake or two with the wild card pressure. And I, I just really like Buffalo here. Yeah. McCorkle hasn't really been uh, great down the stretch. They had that week 14 bye, and then they lost three of their final four. The lone win was Jacksonville. So that's like half a win if we're being honest, but um, yeah, Blaine, what do you, uh, what do you see? Do you expect another uh, three pass effort out of uh, McCorkle? Or do you expect him to sling the rock a little bit more? in the uh, wildcard game. I think he's going to have to, to be honest. Yeah, uh, definitely more than three times, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not fully sold on the bills. I'm just not, uh, this game to me is going to be defense run game play action. And although it's easy to say, you know, the bills thing set up better for the bills because they're at home and they have Josh Allen. I, I just – I don't really trust Josh Allen like that. I just don't. It's not that he isn't the better quarterback by far. He is the better quarterback by far. But I think the Bills let him do things because they believe in his talent so much that actually hurt them. And I think New England is the opposite. I think they don't let uh, Mac do things to help them. I think it helps them when they really restrict what Mac does. And I don't think anybody uh, – you know, on earth besides me probably watched the, the Falcons at bills game week 17, but in the span of four offensive snaps, Josh Allen turned the ball over three times. I mean, what are you doing, Josh Allen? The Falcons aren't known for being an aggressive defense or defense that makes you turn the ball over. Usually you just walk all over them. I mean, uh, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon just did, you know, four days ago. Uh, and it's like the elements concern me. I give the psychological edge, the coaching edge, pretty much everything but the quarterback edge to New England. And I think this is going to be a really low scoring game. I think, you know, this really could come down to Nick Folk or Tyler Bass. <laughs> I think it's going to be limiting, you know, each other's uh, possessions in the red zone, kind of like the first game. And although the win's not there, I still think, like, psychologically, I still think the Bills are going to be thinking about how that first game was played in Buffalo in less than ideal conditions. And, you know, the high on Saturday is nine degrees. I'm sure at kickoff, I think it's going to be, like, one degree. And then with the, like, with the real temperature feel of, of the wind chill, it's supposed to get down to, like, maybe as cold as minus 18. It's like, I just don't trust the Bills. I'm picking them to win the game. Uh, but I, I, I'm not like saying that with conviction, like many other people are, I just think anytime you're saying you're convinced that Bill Belichick is going to lose handily, I think you maybe are ignoring some of the stuff he's done, uh, in his career. 
Yeah, that's facts. <clears throat> I don't think it'll be a blowout by any stretch. Like, I don't think it'll be all bills. I think, as you said, I think it'll be fairly low scoring, close, ugly game. That's why I say it'll probably be the worst game of the weekend if I really had to pick one. Because, I mean, we know what Bill Belichick's going to do. We know he's going to come out, run the football, run the football, run the football with uh, Damian Harris and obviously Ramondre Stevenson, just pound them and try to uh, just play the clock, right? Keep Josh Allen off the field and um yeah hope when he's on the field he makes a mistake when you uh, mentioned that uh, falcons game i did not watch but just looking at the stat line horrendous 11 of 26 a buck 20 and uh three picks as you said against a garbage defense in a, in atlanta and then when you're going to face a uh, bill belichick steve belichick defense um a lot different thing but i just i don't know i just it's kind of soured me on new england i think that when it comes down to it and max gonna have to make a throw um, in this game, I just don't think I can see him making the uh, the rookie mistake over uh, Josh Allen. I don't know. I just think Josh Allen's going to be dialed in for the playoffs, at, at least for this game. I don't think the Bills – it's just a killer for Sean McDermott to go into a uh, another season, right, go into next year with your last game of this year, being a loss at home in the wildcard round to your uh, division rival in the uh, third matchup. I just think it's it's a locker room killer if it was to uh, if it was to happen. Yeah, if this game stays close and it's a defensive battle like y'all are describing, that probably favors New England, right? <clears throat> and Bill Belichick and that defense. But I don't I don't know if they have that psychological edge New England does like they used to on Buffalo. Buffalo has now won the division twice in a row. They had a good run last year. It's a new coaching staff, new team. This team feels like they should be here. They feel like they're the better team. Um, they already righted the ship on that first loss they came back and won in new england i know this one's in buffalo and the conditions aren't great again right but i would hope that the coaching staff learn some lessons and if they do need to run the ball more that they get josh allen some design runs and get him moving the ball more because i felt that first matchup when uh it was all running right they couldn't really get it done through the air which is so tough for buffalo because their offense is almost all passing right so when they have to run the ball a lot i think they can still take advantage of it if they get josh allen in open space hopefully they make adjustments from that first matchup but i still like buffalo here i don't i don't think that psychological edge is as big as it used to be when they were you know losing to new england twice a year for like 15 years straight yeah i think being able to go to new england a uh, week 16 and kind of beat them <clears throat> the way they did and uh kind of yeah builds them back up right if they would have played a close one and maybe one on a field goal then it's like shit these guys might be uh closer to us than they think, but being able to go in there and the way they take care took care of business down the stretch. I just like where Buffalo is going uh, going into this, but I do expect a low scoring. Like uh, Blaine said, any kind of uh, closing thoughts on this one? Obviously, I'm rolling Bills. Um, I'm assuming you guys are going Bills as well. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm thinking like 17-13 Bills. I just don't know that Max's gonna get into the end zone more than once. Uh, like I said, my only hesitation, though, is, you know, to, to get 17, Josh Allen's going to have to lead two touchdown drives. You cannot come up with field goals uh, against against a Belichick coach team because they'll just hang around, hang around, hang around. And the longer they hang around and you're at home and you're the favorite, you're supposed to win. But I think maybe the one, you know, decided advantage that Buffalo has is in the quarterback run game because Josh Allen, if things break down and you know, that New England secondary is stuck to Diggs and Beasley and Knox and those guys like glue. Josh Allen can always run and make a play to seal a game. Mac, we're probably not going to see that from him at all. 
if any. But the one encouraging thing, uh, I know John does the spread picks with you guys, and he sent us over some data that Singletary is averaging like 17 carries a game over the past four, which is mm-hmm. really what needs what should have happened a long time ago. And really, this is the perfect time to uh, you know start to start to shift that because they can't be letting Josh Allen throw it 35, 40 times a game in these weather conditions and playing in Buffalo. You're just not going to win playoff games like that consistently in that region. So I think that is encouraging. Yeah, I'll say uh, I'll say Buffalo 17, New England 13. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on all that, and like, I think they would have Josh Allen throw 50 times if they could, if they really wanted to. They just love airing it out. But uh, I like the Bills here. I would stay away from the spread. The four points is scary. Yeah, for sure. And just to, uh, I'm going Bills as well. I already said it. Just to piggyback, yeah, Singletary in the last four, uh, Carolina at 86 yards, Atlanta 110, and then the last game 88. So they're definitely kind of you can see them. Uh, teetering towards running the ball a lot more as they head into the playoffs, right? You don't just want to head into the wildcard round and say, bang, we're going to run the shit out of the ball. They kind of, you saw that progressing. That's a good find by, uh, by John. He's not here, but obviously uh, he does the spread picks with us. Good, uh, good find. And we'll see what, uh, yeah, we'll see what goes down Saturday night. I don't expect many fireworks. Um, I think really it'll be, I, I wouldn't need to see the first drive, right? If New England gets the ball and they can run an eight, nine minute drive and just bleed the clock and really take the crowd's life out of it. Um, I think the game could take a weird turn. And on the other side of Buffalo gets the ball first and they can go down the field, get a quick seven and get the crowd uh, juiced and really put the pressure on Mac Jones. You could see it uh, turn in their favor. So I think the, uh, the first drive, whoever gets the ball first, it's a big first drive in my eyes. <clears throat> Um, yeah, moving in straight Sunday afternoon, early game, uh, one o'clock slot. We got the uh, surprise, the Philadelphia Eagles, nine and eight, the seven seed going on the road to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Um, obviously, they finished 13 and four. Um, all the injuries, no Godwin. I know Leonard Fournette's back. Uh, Shaquille Barrett's back. Um, so they're getting some guys back heading in uh, to a crucial game. And then obviously it's the Eagles, a lot of inexperience, very similar to kind of the Bengals with kind of maybe less at the quarterback position, but uh, it's an inexperienced team, right? Jalen Hurts never played in a playoff game. Nick Sirianni, obviously first year hasn't coached in a uh, playoff game. Um, quarterbacks 25 or younger all time or two and 11 against Tom Brady. Uh, I believe the Bucks right now are like eight and a half point favorites, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, so, I mean, what do we see here? Obviously, the world sees that uh, it's going to be a, a Tampa Bay W. I'm saying Eagles W. But um, what are you guys seeing here? We'll start off with Blaine going into this one. Is there any shot that the Eagles can uh, somehow pull the upset in Tampa Bay? And really, that would shock the football world, I'd say. Well, first of all, I do think eight and a half points is entirely too many. I would have this personally or right around six. Uh, so the eight and a half feels like very disrespectful to Philadelphia, especially when they've become kind of a, a ground and pound team behind a very improved offensive line. You can possess the clock, the clock like that. I know uh, I saw yesterday on ESPN, I believe Tampa won the ter- the time of possession 38 to 22 in the first matchup in the regular season. Uh, but I don't think – I think that was week six. That was when Sirianni was still doing the weird stuff and, like, wanting to make Jalen Hurts into, like, Dante Culpepper just fling the ball around to Chris Carter and Randy Moss. And uh, I, I think he finally transitioned from that, and I think it'll be a totally different game where they try to go, you know, run first, use Hurts' legs to, to keep chewing clock, keep 
you know, grinding out first downs. And uh, I think it's going to be close, like, into the fourth quarter. And really, over the last month, nothing good has happened for Tampa. Yes, they, you know, closed the the regular season game, the regular season out with the win over Carolina, and it looked very one-sided. But that was still a game, like, late into the second quarter. Before that, they struggled with the Saints, and they got blanked by the Saints. They've had all the issues, you know, with their injuries to – Fournette, who should be back this week. God went out for the season. Antonio Brown no longer on squad. Gronk is liable to get injured literally anytime he steps on a football field. Um, so I, I just think eight and a half is entirely too much. I would lean Tampa. But to me, this could be one where Brady's got to, you know, for the 701st time in his career, you know, got to go on a game-winning drive with the score tied or, or the Bucks behind late in the game. So, I don't see this as totally one-sided. Yes, you got to give respect to the reigning Super Bowl champions and, and Tom Brady, but I'm not sure that this is really a, a an eight and a half point game as the odds makers see it. Yeah, I did not even realize just real quick before I cut you off that this is like 20 years uh, to the uh, 20 years from when the Bucks, who nobody said the Bucks in 2002, said the then everybody said the Bucks can't win in cold weather. They will not beat Philadelphia in cold weather. Uh, they can't beat them. And then obviously with the Bucks, did they they won to close out the vet in Philadelphia and uh, oh. kind of go on. Obviously, it would be a reverse here, right? The world's saying the Eagles can't go to Tampa and when the Eagles can't go to Tampa and when they can't do this, can't do that. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, it can be 20 years and we just flip it on uh, them. But uh, yeah, Alex, what do you see here at uh, one o'clock on Sunday as we head down to Tampa Bay? I like that idea a lot. 20 years later, we flip it and beat them in Tampa Bay. I'm taking the Eagles as a homer pick. Um, I agree with Blaine that the eight and a half is too many points. It worries me. Tampa Bay has played really well at home. I understand they lost weapons. Uh, their defense is getting healthy. Obviously, they have a very good run defense, right? And Philadelphia has flipped to a run heavy, the number one running offense the last second half of the season. So it's very curious to me how they're going to adjust and run that game against the Bucs. I hope it's not just a bunch of runs up the middle. I hope they try and spread them out to the side a little bit. We'll see. I do think that, like, the lack of experience on the Eagles side is going to really show in the first half. I would assume Nick Sirianni in that offense plays pretty damn conservative in the first half, uh, doesn't really go for it much. And I would assume post-halftime, uh, second half, he kind of airs it out and like gets less conserved and opens it up more just because you have nothing to lose, right? It's a playoff game. But I do think the nerves are going to be there. I don't know how this Eagles team – they'll be ready to play, right? And I think it's going to be competitive. Eight and a half is too many points. I think they have a chance for sure. But I am worried about how the run game matches up. I'm worried about how the team is going to look experience-wise, coaching staff. I think the first half they're going to be pretty conservative. And what worries me defensively is – uh, Gronkowski and those tight ends for Tampa Bay because we don't the Eagles do not have great linebackers and they're going to be very vulnerable across the middle and I don't know if they're going to just bracket, try and bracket Gronk or whatever but Gronkowski is definitely in line for a big day against his uh, against these Eagles linebackers. Yeah, for sure. The Eagles are another team similar to like the Raiders, maybe even more so than the uh, Raiders that they shouldn't be playing tight at all. They should be doing whatever, right? I mean, you're now eight and a half 
No, it could go up to nine, nine and a half by the time Sunday trickles around. Um, that they really have nothing to lose, right? Going down to Tampa Bay. Everybody's kind of already writing them off. They're already moving Tampa Bay onto the uh, next round. So I kind of hope that Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, they just come out loose uh, with nothing to lose. I do kind of, yeah, they might be a little bit tentative out of the gate, but I would hope not. And you hit right now on the head with the matchups that uh, concern me. It's the linebackers covering Gronkowski and probably Cameron Brake covering the tight end in general. The Eagles don't cover the tight end. They haven't covered the tight end well in years. Um so that concerns me. And then just the uh, the running game overall, our run defense, it's weird to see that this year our run defense, the pass defense of uh, the secondary became the strength with Darius Slay and Stevie Nelson back there. And the run defense with the little 3-3-5 uh, scheme, I believe, that uh, Jonathan Gannon runs that kind of gets chewed up. But, I mean, I'm right on with you guys. Eight and a half is a lot for the type of game that I can see this becoming, right? We know the Eagles like to run the ball. I think the Bucks <clears throat> will um, attack with the tight ends and run the football as well because they don't have the weapons right they don't have Antonio Brown you don't have Chris Godwin uh, you have Mike Evans Gronkowski uh, you got Brashad Perryman so I don't think there's going to be a ton of like just shots down the field and highlight plays I think it'll be a lot of tight end work and a lot of run game out of the Bucks. so I think um, yeah clock will just get chewed up so I'm right with you guys eight and a half is uh, quite a bit and uh, I've been saying all week uh, Eagles 24 Bucks 21 upset uh, get the coats ready we're going to Green Bay um yeah so that's that's my pick got to be the homer pick i refuse to pick the bucks um on, on my own show but um yeah blaine you go on bucks it's probably the smart pick yeah i'll probably say like 28 24 uh, i do like i said though I, I do expect it to be closer than the experts predict i like it and then obviously alex you already said eagles get the job done yep homer pick all the way Homer pick. I love it. Um, so, yeah, let's keep it moving. Sunday, um, America's quote unquote team. Um, the Dallas Cowboys probably face the uh, the dark horse NFC team, I'd say, if they play like up to par in San Fran. San Fran goes on the road to uh, play Dallas in the three six matchup. Obviously, we know what Dallas has on the offensive side with Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. Um, and then when you look at the uh, 49ers, they like to pound the rock. Jimmy Garoppolo with the bad thumb. I don't know. He's probably going to have to come out a little bit better than he uh, did in the first half against the Rams. I don't expect the uh, Cowboys to choke away a game like that. They could, but um, uh, it's less than likely. Um, the Cowboys kind of need to get the run game going. The offense looks sluggish when they don't really have the uh, run game rolling. Uh, Dak Prescott, obviously, he can't move. He's like a sloth back there now. Um so, yeah, what do you say? This is really one where I could see the 49ers coming in and beating Dallas. Dallas is just – they seem like a team once it gets to this time, uh, this time of year, and they should win. Uh, they seem like an accident waiting to happen, as my man Stephen A. Smith has said for years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys see? You see the uh, 49ers. I kind of – I like the 49ers heading into this one uh, quite a bit. But, um, yeah, what do you guys see, Blaine? What do you see um, out of the 49ers and Dallas at the uh, 3.30 slot on Sunday? Well, as I, as I made the, the comment about the Bengals-Raiders being uh, the early Saturday game, which seems spot on, you and I were very surprised that America's quote-unquote team did not receive a primetime game in the Sunday night or Monday night slot. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I give the edge to... Dallas in terms of quarterback play and I give the edge to San Francisco in literally every other category um Dallas's run game is just terrible it's like they just run Zeke 
into the line for a yard or no gain, and then maybe he leans forward for two, and then they'll, you know, get a little pop pass to Tony Pollard to, like, energize the run game, but that's technically a pass. And it's like they have no no juice unless it's Dak dropping back 45 times and then just, like, you know, take your pick of who he's going to throw to between C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, Cedric Wilson, or Pollard out of the backfield. And to me, that's not the formula. The The thing you got to do against San Francisco is not let their front four start just knowing that you're going to pass and, and, and get pressure on Dak, who becomes kind of fragile in the pocket when he gets rattled. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, Dallas has had a has they've had a good defense and a turnover uh really a good turnover margin year for them. I believe they were tied for first in the NFL in turnover margin, but I don't think that that style of defense is, uh, you know, going to be optimized against a Kyle Shanahan led offense. They're not really going to let Jimmy, you know, just drop back and like sit in the pocket and, you know, have to make crazy reads and sit back there and get, you know, strip sacked by Gregory and uh, Demarcus Lawrence. They're really just going to pound you and pound you and pound you and pound you and then go play action. And I think that's what Dallas is going to struggle with right about the time that, you know, they think it's going to be a run. They're going to get popped over the middle to Debo on one of those RPOs or Kittle and play action. And then like, good luck tackling those guys one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Diggs Diggs is a good uh, play the ball in the air type guy. Anthony Brown is really not good at anything. He's just the other corner that starts for them, but (laughs) you don't want to be put, committing so many guys to the line of scrimmage, especially the type of guys they have. You talk about Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons. They want to like see ball, run to ball. And you don't want to do that. You want to be disciplined against the 49ers. And if you do see ball, run ball against the Shanahan led ground and pound and play action attack, you know, they might hang 45 on Dallas. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Uh, <clears throat> you hit it. They turn. They get a lot of turnovers, and that's the Dallas defense kind of. I think a lot of people started to overrate them quite a bit. I think they let up the most yards. Uh, at least it's got to be top three in the league as far as yards uh, given up. Right. So they turn. They uh, they go after the ball. Right. Trayvon Diggs, eleven interceptions, but he's he's prone. If you hit him with a double move, uh, that boy is going to be lost because he's he's all over the ball they got a lot of guys like you said just attack 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 and Kyle Shannon's too crafty um to get beat by that style of defense like you said he'll he'll confidently run the ball four yards a carry four yards a carry four yards a carry all day and then bang RPO Kittle uh and good luck tackling that man so they got a lot of uh, matchups that if they can run the game uh, the way they want to um it's in their favor what do you see uh, Alex heading into this one yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm right there with you. I love the Niners here. I love the Niners plus three. I like the Niners money line. Um, this is like the healthiest they've been all year. They're my favorite NFC West team. I picked them at the beginning of the year. They It didn't really pan out. Ten and seven. They're not far behind the Rams or the Cardinals. And here they are, right? They had a great win last week, come from behind. They can't afford to start that slow, obviously. But I just they match up well with Dallas. Um Kyle Shanahan talks about on the record, he wants to run the ball 30 to 40 times. And that's going to be realistic here on Sunday against Dallas. They're going to be able to run the ball 30 times. Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, uh, Trent Williams should be back for this game. Is looking like he's going to suit up and play. Uh, Ayuk, Kittle, uh, Juwan Jennings, their third receiver, balled out last week. The Niners offense is rolling right now. And then what 
the thing that makes me really like the Niners is Dallas's offense because their run game has been atrocious. Like Blaine said, Zeke's just kind of running straight into the line for a yard or two. And they've shown that like Dak in that passing offense has, has trouble like really get going and getting big chunks when the run game's not really clicking. And I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball that well against the Niners. And it sets up for the Niners defense. If you're going to attack the Niners and really score points on them, right, you can attack them through their secondary but if you're doing but if you have to it's like a double-edged sword right because if you have to draw back and you have to earn time you're going to let that Niners front four just tee off on Dallas and get those pass rushers really going it doesn't it doesn't like it doesn't go well for Dallas so I really like the Niners in this matchup here obviously I'm not a Dallas guy right I look for reasons to pick against Dallas so I want to put it out there I'm pretty biased here right I like the Niners a lot I do not like Dallas at all but football-wise and matchup-wise, I think the Niners are in a great spot for a road upset. Exactly. And it's a Mike McCarthy-led team. I think I'll just devil's advocate. If you're a Dallas side, you'd be salivating maybe if you can get Dak some time to attack that San Fran uh, secondary. Their secondary is brutal. So, I mean, that's one thing that uh, you can kind of, if you can get some protection and uh, keep Dak upright because he's not going to move from the pocket. He doesn't move anymore. Uh, it's crazy to think that a mobile quarterback – I mean, obviously the uh, injury, but I mean, you're, you're a year past that, that um, yeah, he just doesn't move like he uh, used to. So it kind of, it doesn't create opportunities as like a team like the bills with Josh Allen, he'll be willing to get out there and extend the play and uh, create some chaos for a defense. Dak's not going to do that. So, I mean, they're really going to rely on that line because I mean, if Zeke's going to show up with the cement shoes after a plate of barbecue again, and um, just, he's going to be sluggish, not move. So, I mean, yeah, I'm right with you. I'm going Niners as uh, as well here i just uh, it's the perfect they have the perfect recipe to uh, beat dallas and i love it because uh, they're going to pan to jerry jones 42 times skip bayless is going to be tweeting all day probably blame the refs probably blame something but i mean i'm i'm all here for it it's a uh, it's just a good matchup for san fran any uh closing thoughts and obviously alex said san fran uh, blaine i'm assuming are you going to go dallas or are you taking the uh, niners as well I'm going to go San Francisco by like a field goal. I think both teams are going to be able to put up a decent amount of points. I just think that Shanahan's offense is going to put up more. You know, the other interesting thing that, that comes to mind for me is the team that San Francisco just played, you know, this past weekend, the Rams. I can draw some really uh, strong comparisons between them and Dallas. I mean, offensively, Stafford and, and, and Dak – you know, they're kind of that that upper middle tier of quarterback. They both can move around a lot, but can't move like the mobile guys. They can run a little bit if, if you give them, you know, five yards to run out of bounds. But if you collapse the pocket on them, they're not going to be able to escape it. And they're just either going to throw the ball up or get sacked. And we really start to see we really started to see the front four from San Francisco really get home to Stafford. And he was just, you know, hitting the hitting the turf, you know, time after time in the second half. And then defensively, it's the same type of thing. It's we have a really aggressive defense. We've got some good names on paper. Obviously, the Cowboys don't have anybody uh, like an Aaron Donald. But just in terms of, you know, we want to we want to read and react. We want to force chaos and turn the ball over like like uh, Dallas wants to. The Rams are really in that mold. And so I think that, you know, not the more I start to think about it, that was probably the perfect opponent for San Francisco to really find their footing against and really uh, be able to say, we can do a lot of the things we just game planned for last week. 
this week. And that's not even counting the fact that Dallas's run game is worse. You know, San Francisco was starting to tee off and get pressure on Stafford and they had to respect the ground game. They had to respect the run scheme of McVay and Michelle was picking up some six and seven yard gains to make it manageable third downs. Dallas isn't even going to have that luxury. They're going to be getting one and two yard gains and be facing third and longs. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, for sure. If there's any uh, history on this one, the last four times the Niners and the Cowboys have met in the playoffs, the winner went on to win the Super Bowl. So there's a little bit of that. Doesn't really mean shit. But, yeah, I like Niners by a uh, – probably, yeah, probably by a field goal, uh, just like uh, you said. And it's interesting that you brought up that matchup. I didn't really even think of it like that, but they are very – uh, similar teams, especially at the uh, quarterback position with the mobility back there between the Rams and the uh, Cowboys. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's keep it moving. Last game on the Sunday slate, not really the uh, the greatest game that we're going to see. Probably the Big Ben retirement party. We got the Steelers at nine seven and one who snuck in thanks to the Colts. They get to face the two seed Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in a uh, rematch. Obviously, we saw the game. Um, in December, wasn't very good, wasn't very close at all. It was just an absolute ass whooping. Uh, line right now, is, I think it's 12 and a half. It opened to like 13 and a half. Um, I don't know what to even say about this. It's like I'm shocked that the Steelers are here. Obviously, the Steelers' defense, I respect TJ Watt. Um, probably should have had the sack record if we're being honest. Um, so I respect that defense, but I just don't think it's once again, it's that offense and you're going up, you're going back into Arrowhead, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and the Chiefs. I just, there's no way I could possibly spin this into what if the Steelers make it a super ugly game and the Chiefs come out sloppy and turn the ball over five times to keep the Steelers in it and Big Ben. Uh, leads the team on a drive to win, right? Like then I would know the NFL is probably fixed and I wouldn't need to watch anymore. But um, hey, it's it's a game. We're all going to tune in. Um, what do you guys see heading into uh, Arrowhead on a uh, Sunday night? Alex, we'll start with uh, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you can guess this is the game I'm least <laughs> excited for. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I've always I've picked against the Steelers all year, basically. Uh, you know, you you see the Steelers as underdogs. You do the Mike Tomlin rah-rah thing. You like to take them in the points. I wouldn't even do that here. Kansas City minus 12 and a half, I like. I think the Chiefs roll. Um, even Big Ben has already kind of came out and talked about how it's, like, not a good matchup and they're probably going to lose. He's he's ready to reti- retire, right? Uh, but good for the Steelers to, to, like, sneak into the playoffs here. Big Ben gets one more playoff game. Like, those are, like, the silver linings. I just really don't see how Pittsburgh gets it done. If I am going to paint a picture for how Pittsburgh gets it done, uh, defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, has to just terrorize Kansas City, right, get for some turnovers, some short yarders, field positions. And even then, I still wouldn't feel great just because, like, Big Ben cannot move the ball down the field, right? He, his arm's not there. Um they have weapons. It's just it's just a struggle for Pittsburgh. I just don't see how they get it done outside of TJ Watt just straight up destroying this game, and I don't see that happening. Yeah, to be honest, when I said th- this could be the worst one, I said the Bills and the uh, Pats, but this is like this game solely relies on Patrick Mahomes doing some crazy shit and uh, making this thing making this thing fun at least on one side of the ball. Um, well, Blaine, I know you're a Steelers guy. Um, what do you see going into uh, this? Is this the uh, is this the farewell party for uh, Big Ben, or will he be able to somehow spin some crooked rigged upset that we just don't see coming? 
No, no, he's no, he has no magic, you know, in that right, in that right arm. Uh, if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs get to twenty points, the Steelers cannot win, and I think the, the Chiefs put up twenty points fairly easily this week. Uh, there's no, there's no way you can convince me. I shouldn't say there's no way. I'll put it this way: there's no way the offense of Pittsburgh is putting up three touchdowns. Maybe a block punt, maybe a, you know, a TJ Watt strip sack. All those things are obviously more than reasonable but big ben leading three or four touchdown drives is just not happening the ravens defense and their secondary completely depleted you saw what happened two weeks ago burrow just went for 525 and just did whatever he wanted and then big ben plays them the next week you know last week the final week of the regular season and it's like a forget what the final score was like 16 to 13 or something like they couldn't move the ball on the team that joe burrow just absolutely annihilated so yeah, short of a special teams touchdown and, you know, some crazy defensive touchdown, if the Chiefs score 20 points, the Chiefs are going to win and the Chiefs are going to score 20 points. Yeah, it's crazy to me to think if the Chiefs scored – if they scored 14 points, I think it would be wraps. I have a hard time seeing unless some – like you said, some crazy anomaly happens where the special teams goes berserk or Mahomes goes – uh, completely senile and just throws interceptions that I have a hard time seeing the Steelers getting to 10 points. I mean, maybe in a garbage time, though, it's, it's uh, just see it very being eerily similar to the, uh, the first matchup that we, uh, mm-hmm. that we already saw. Right. I just, I think it's all chiefs. Um, yeah. I think they could easily put 20, they'll put three touchdowns up and a half and uh, just coast. They'll be on autopilot uh, by the third quarter. Yeah, this game feels so lopsided that you could give the Steelers like two special teams or defensive touchdowns, and I'm still taking the Chiefs. I mean, the the Chiefs getting the Steelers is the next best thing that could have happened to them outside of getting a bye, right? They fucked up the bye. Cincinnati beat them. The next best best thing to happen is Pittsburgh sneaks in and you get to play the Steelers. Hey, I'll I'll piggyback off that for a second, though. Uh, In terms of – First round matchups, absolutely. There's a reason that they're the only um, double digit favorite in round one. However, man, I think that the that the bracket could not have set up better for Cincinnati. I mean, to be able to play yeah. the Raiders on a short week at home and then go to Tennessee, one of the most vulnerable one seeds we've ever seen. I mean, you're talking about a team that lost to the Texans and the Jets in the same year and got the one seed. There, there's 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 a very realistic path for Cincinnati to be in the AFC title game. And, and if you say that, you have to acknowledge that there's also a real, because that's, that's only if, you know, the one, the two, the three, and the four, are the four teams in the AFC, that also brings into the equation that if the Patriots do upset the Bills, the Patriots could be in the AFC title game because the Patriots would then go to Tennessee. Yeah. The AFC, yeah, it gets it gets super uh, could get super weird. And, and I only bring that up because, you know, you talk about the the Chiefs having the easy game in round one, but the Chiefs did not want to see Buffalo in round two. Minimum, you want to see them in the AFC title game. That that's true, but at some point you got like you can only avoid so many teams, right? You're going to have to get a matchup. But to the Cincinnati point, I was looking at the bracket beforehand. I was thinking the same thing, and I think there's like. A realistic to decent shot that we get a rematch of that Bengals Chiefs game for, but this time for a Super Bowl berth. Yep. Yeah. Spot. Uh. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dis- uh, disagree. 
Um, yeah, that's uh, wait, yeah, we're all going Chiefs, right? Like, there's no shot, nobody's, Easily. yeah, I was gonna say that's a formality that, uh, yeah, I like the Chiefs by 17 plus. Um, yeah, let's keep moving into Monday night, honestly. Just before we even talk about it, how do you guys feel about a Monday wildcard game? I don't like it, I think it's stupid. Um, I thought you should just did three Saturdays and three Sundays and uh, called it a day. The NFL, obviously, they want to be on their uh, own stage on Monday night, obviously, with the Cardinals going on the road to uh, play the Rams. But, uh, yeah, before we even talk about the game, how do you guys feel about this uh, this Monday night ESPN wild card? Yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about the Monday night matchup just because, like, then they're going to have to play on Sunday the following week. So it's, like, it seems more reasonable to me to have all the teams play on Sunday because, like, this is the playoffs should – try and keep it like even time between games, but I get why they do it. Yeah, for sure. It's a money. It's a hundred percent a money grab from a fan perspective. I love it, but just from like a competition, like, is this the right thing to do? That's kind of where I'm like, this is uh, it doesn't make sense to me. How about you, Blaine? Yeah, obviously the, the money and the ratings and the fan. Yeah. We get a third day of football in the playoffs. That's, that's great. What I will say is if they want this to work and, and you know, it's sad that, you know, they're relying on me to say this and they don't have, you know, smart enough people in the little league office to think about this. But really the easy solution, if you want to do this and then also maintain what's best for competition, is you just make sure that the Monday night game is a team who will not be traveling for round two. This isn't this isn't rocket science. We know that if the bracket plays out the way, you know, the, the numbers say it will, that the Rams and the Cardinals will be on the road, either in Green Bay or in Tampa. I mean, that's a ridiculous flight to have to take on a short week. You know, yeah. this isn't this isn't hard. The Monday night game should have been Chiefs Steelers. The Chiefs will be at home in round two. Facts. I just why think we, it's a really good point. Yeah. Why yeah. are we making the short week team fly to Green Bay, Wisconsin or Tampa Bay, Florida from California? That is, yeah, that is very good. But I imagine when you pitch to ESPN, yeah, can we put Patrick Mahomes versus Big Ben on its own platform? Uh, you're going to wait all day to watch Big Ben play on Monday night. They probably said, hell no, we're not having that team on our network. Um, so I imagine that factored in. But yeah, that's spot on. Honestly, I didn't even think of it that way, the way you did. So I mean, that's why you are the, uh, the expert when it comes to this stuff. And that's a great point, to be honest. And he, uh, yeah, it just, it just, it just feels cheap that that these teams are already going to be on six days and then they've got to take a cross country flight somewhere. And, yeah. and if, and if you don't want the chiefs, if you don't want the chief Steelers, then the logical explanation is you do it for the, the other two seed, you do it for the bucks Eagles and you make sure that, you know, the bucks or the Eagles, they're going to be on the East coast, no matter what happens the following week, but just the way they set it up for the California team to have to go all the way across the country is absurd. Yeah, I don't think the NFL wanted the Eagles at the trout make that long trip to Lambeau either on a uh, short week. But let's get into the game. We got the third <laughs> matchup. We got the Cardinals. We got the Rams. Um, the Rams, obviously, yeah, it's a it's a stumble fest. The Cardinals obviously lost to the Seahawks and what everybody thought was the last Pete Carroll Russell Wilson game. But it's like pause. It might not be the last Pete Carroll Russell Wilson game, honestly. If I had to put money on it right now, they're eleven and six, and the uh, the Rams obviously they lose but win the NFC West at twelve and five. Um, they're stumbling in. It's kind of like this is two teams that yes yeah, stumbled their way to this matchup. 
Um, and I don't know who I really love in this one. I don't love either uh, one of them. Maybe I'll just go Sean McVay by a notch because I just uh, I'm uh, done with Cliff Kingsbury and that crew, and I can just see Sean McVay having his guys more uh, more ready and Matt Stafford doing uh, his thing and somehow not doing something stupid or throwing interceptions. But, I mean, I don't love either team going into this matchup the way they're playing. Um, I've soured on the Rams. I've obviously called Stafford the bougie Jared Goff. And then, um, obviously, what the Cardinals have done down the backstretch of the season was pretty uh, – it was less than stellar, we shall say, considering they basically had the one seed, I mean, nearly – they could have had it nearly with a bow tie on it and uh, been chilling. And now they're sitting here on wildcard weekend, having to go on the road for the uh, third game against the Rams. So, I mean, how are we, uh, how are we uh, looking at this one? Do you love either team going uh, into this? Who do you give the edge uh, heading into Monday night? We'll start with you, uh, Blaine, on this one. Um, well, this is a tough one for me. I certainly don't give the edge to a team who may be starting Eric Weddle two years uh, of doing nothing at safety after injuries to Taylor Rapp and Jordan Fuller certainly can't give, you know, the Rams the edge in that secondary. Uh, but I also don't know, like you said, with Cliff Kingsbury and some of the, you know, just the sort of the collapse that they had. I mean, we're talking about a team that can't go into Detroit and win a game. You know, we can't, we can't beat, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers with no Devonte Adams at home. You know, they've just had some head-scratching loss. They, they lost to Carolina, Cam Newton's debut. It's like, what are we doing here? So I don't really give the edge to either team. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm going to pick the Rams because they're at home. They have McVay. But really, you know, I guess the, the biggest X factor, I would, I would give it to, you know, the Arizona offense. I just think that they might be able to do some things against – you know, that Rams secondary, Jalen Ramsey bites on pretty much anything. And then you're going to be starting Eric Weddle because you lost two safeties. And then you also have to account for Kyler Murray's legs, one of the guys that, you know, can get away and can still make a play and can still, you know, make a big splash down the field, even if he's got pressure in his face from Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald. So, I mean, it's a tough one for me. I'm going to go Rams and I'm not going to feel good about it. Yeah, I'm literally Rams just just because they're home, to be honest. Like, that's that's what it came down to me. I guess if you're a Cardinals guy, you're like, uh, we'll get excited. Kyler's 15 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. We're a road team. But as you mentioned, uh, that road team couldn't win in Detroit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Neither of these teams um, don't love either of them. Alex, what do you uh, see here? It's hilarious that you kept banging on the Eric Weddle point. I completely, like, zoned out and forgot about that for, like, a little bit, but that's hilarious. They went out to a guy on the couch drinking beers and said, uh, yeah, can you come play safety in the playoffs for us? But, um, <laughs> yeah. Alex, what do you see here? Yeah. So y'all did a good job summing it, summing it up. Right. Uh, I'm having a hard time picking either of these teams. Uh, I'm never crazy about a third matchup, which is why I was very excited when the seedings got finalized that the Niners got Dallas and not another NFC West team. But with the Rams and the Cardinals, like you, the Rams 
the Eric Weddle thing and then Matthew Stafford. I know most of these numbers are from Detroit, right? But he has there's enough of a sample size that he does struggle against the better teams and the teams above 500. Now, this year he gets Sean McVay and that coaching staff and everything's better in this scenario, right? But he's laid some eggs this year. We've seen him throw multiple pick sixes uh, weeks in a row. We've seen Matthew Stafford struggle and <clears throat> I don't feel great about it. But then at the same time, I look at the Cardinals side. It's like, do I really feel good about putting money down with Cliff Kingsbury. Is that really going to give me confidence? As Blaine has said, like he was going to get the Detroit win. There's been multiple times throughout the year where they just came out flat and they didn't look good. Um, this is a third matchup between teams that know each other very well. I just, it's hard to say either team has a big edge. I'm rolling with the Cardinals here. If I was picking the spread, I would feel good about it simply because they get some points here. I expect this game to be pretty dang close. Um, but I'm going with Arizona to get the road win simply because I don't feel there's a huge edge for either team. And if I'm going to pick here, I'm going to roll with Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray has come out and looked bad at times, so he could totally let me down in this spot. He let me down last time it was a Monday night game and they played the Rams. I thought they were going to look really well. That one was in Arizona. This one's in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm just simply going to pick the Cardinals. It's very close here, but I think Kyler's an X factor. If he comes out locked in, he can create with his legs, kind of do things dynamically on the offensive end. I think that that's really the advantage here, right? I think that's the edge. I could see I'm leaning Cardinals. Don't feel good about it. Yeah. Um, I'm the other way. I'm going Rams by a field goal. I don't feel good about it either, though, when I uh, when I sit back and uh, look at it. I'm just going with them solely because they're the home team. And, um, yeah, and the other team lost the Lions. Um, Blaine, yeah, are you going with the, uh, the Rams as well? <clears throat> yeah, I'm going with the Rams. Like I said, I don't feel good about it, but, you know, I just I'm putting I'm putting just a little bit of equity into the fact that that's what they went out and got Stafford for. They said that he could, you know, we got to remember golf got this team to a Super Bowl and that apparently wasn't good enough. So uh, imagine a wild card exit uh, for the guy that you just gave all this money to. Exactly. That's um, honestly, if it happened to be great, because John's a big Matt Stafford guy and I will be able to, <laughs> I will be able to troll for for an hour at least on uh, if Matt Stafford somehow blows this game on uh, Monday night. But I mean, that's a uh, wrap for all the games. I mean, I guess there's one thing really uh, left to do. We talked about all the wildcard matchups and before any of the action uh, kicks off this weekend. I mean, it's as simple as who do uh, who do you guys have matching up in the uh, Super Bowl at this point? I guess I'll lead us. I'll lead us off. I'm going to go with Green Bay out of the NFC. I've said um, they're getting healthy. I mean, they seem to be the healthiest team outside of Aaron Rodgers. So they're just getting everybody back. I saw Whitney Merciless, who tore his bicep, I believe it was. He's even practicing and could come back. They're getting Zedaria Smith back. It seems um, they're just getting so many good players back and obviously they have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and that is a, a scary duo not to mention Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon out of the uh, backfield so I just find it hard to see them losing in uh, in Lambeau that everything runs through Lambeau in the NFC so I'm rolling with them and then AFC I'm going with the uh, I'm going with the Chiefs um, I don't like the Titans as the one seed as uh, Blaine mentioned the team that lost to the Texans lost to the Jets um, yeah, so I have no faith in them the uh, the bracket kind of sets up it sets up well for the uh, Chiefs. I'm rolling Packers. Chiefs will be playing uh, February 13th in the uh, Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, one of you guys can uh, take a stab at it, whoever uh, whoever wants the floor. 
Well, I'll make it easy. I we didn't talk about this, but I, those were my two teams. So I'll I'll hand it over to Alex. You kind of nailed it. I think Green Bay over Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Damn, uh, I'm basically right there with y'all. I I think this is the logical one. I want to pick <clears throat> Chiefs Packers. I'm just gonna switch it up a little bit and ride with the dark horse team that I'm just bandwagoning here for the NFC. And I'm gonna go with a repeat matchup of two years ago and go Chiefs Niners. Chiefs Ooh, I like Niners. That. Who do you have winning that? Who wins the rematch, Chiefs and Niners? Kansas City. Kansas City is rolling. Kansas City goes from three and four to Super Bowl champion. I didn't mention my winner. I have Green Bay. If Green Bay did play Kansas City, I would take them to uh, to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think it's the perfect immunized Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl year. And yeah, that's uh, my insight on uh, that. Obviously, something crazy stupid's bound to happen this weekend that'll just throw everything off. Um, quick topic that was thrown in right before by uh, by John. Uh, one of our guys, obviously the guy that did the uh, spread picks all year, actually won the uh, spread picks. I didn't put the actual final total up on uh, on the slides that whiffed on that, but he won the uh, overall pick. He was like one, I forget, 130 and 116, something around that. Pretty solid year. Alex also finished over 500, I believe, by two games, and I was like two games under. But um, who are your top five head coaching candidates? This isn't jobs, so you don't have to match a coach to the job or a team. Um, but who are your top five? I don't even have five, so I don't know if you guys will have five. But uh, who are your top five head coaching candidates? And just a little bit of news, the Texans fired David Culley after one year. Um, that's surprising to me. What was that team going to do? I mean, your, your quarterback's in jail or he's in court or he's handling lawsuits. Um, so what was he expected to uh, to do? I mean, most people said they'll be an 0-7 day, a potential to be 0-17, and he won football games with them. So uh, that's a little uh, – little surprise to me, but uh, Blaine, who are your top five coaches on the market? If you even have five of them. Yeah, real quick, just back to the Cully point. I also got that alert while we were recording and uh, not only did he just completely, uh, you know, win beyond expectation for the Texans, but you know, they could have been packing it in at the end and you know, he's beaten playoff contenders like the chargers handily. Like that was like two weeks ago. So that, that, that does surprise me. Um, you know, off the top, I think the only head coaching candidates out there that have head coaching experience are Dan Quinn and Brian Flores. So I think they, they just get a little bit of uh, maybe a boost just because they've done the job before. And then other than that, you know, you got to take a look at Eric Bieniemy. I know the two hot uh, offensive guys besides Bieniemy are – Kellen Moore and Byron Leftwich, they seem to be getting a lot of interest for for teams that want to go in an offensive direction. So that's already five. And then a, a couple more offensive guys that definitely deserve a shot would be Jim Caldwell and Doug Peterson, who also have done tremendous work with quarterbacks and offensive schemes in the past. So there's seven guys there for you, uh, you know, not in any particular order, but I think those would be my seven. Uh, Quinn, Flores, Caldwell, Byron Leftwich, Kellen Moore, and then whoever I just said, I already forgot. Yeah, that's um good. My guys Doug, would, Doug Peterson, sorry. Yeah, Doug Peterson. Yeah, I have, yeah, I would have Doug Peterson. I forgot about B but yeah, Doug Peterson, uh B enemy. 
obviously I'm not super high on Dan Quinn at all. I just think we've like seen it right. Like, I don't know, just because he revitalizes, he'll obviously probably get a job because he was able to turn the Dallas defense into a turnover machine. Um, so he'll probably get hired. I know you had a, a big bet on him going to the uh, Broncos, which seems to kind of be trending in the uh, right direction. But um, yeah, I like Doug Peterson, the enemy, Kellen Moore, and I literally forget the other name that I had on my head before uh, before this even went uh, live. But that's oh, Brian Flores. That's who it was Flores. So I'd have Flores, Peterson, Bienemy, and Kellen Moore as like the cream of the crop guys that I would be uh, going after for sure. Maybe Byron Leftwich as well. Just throw him in there. He should probably get a shot at a uh, job too. But it's like I don't know how many teams. You know, what I mean, he's down there with Tom Brady. So it's like I feel like a lot of teams are going to be like, yeah, he's if he didn't have Tom Brady. Um, what would he really be uh, doing? But those are my guys. Yeah. Flores would probably be at the top, I would say, just because, uh, yeah, what he was able to do. It's kind of shocking that the uh, Dolphins accidentally pressed X too many times and fired him. But uh, Alex, what do you, uh, who are your top candidates? Pretty much the names y'all listed. I like Brian Flores a lot. Uh, I was surprised with his firing. Um, but I'm glad you brought up Jim Caldwell, Blaine, because I think that was one of the guys on my list. He, I think he deserves another shot. He's a good coach. He has a winning record. Um, Detroit was much worse without him. We know that Detroit is kind of a cesspool for getting wins and coaching anyways. So, like, I thought Jim Caldwell did well. I like Doug Peterson, Brian Flores. Uh, pretty much all the names y'all listed, right? Uh, left which Kellen Moore if I were to just bring up a couple names y'all didn't list uh, I feel like Josh McDaniel's name is always there right he's always in the running uh, maybe they feel like that's been cycled through already but I'm sure his name is going to pop up and I think the other uh, the other interesting one is maybe Todd Bowles for Tampa Bay on the oh, defensive yeah. side Facts. I didn't even think about that. There was another Jim, obviously uh, a big name that everybody's going to link to. I don't think he's going anywhere after his comments, but Jim Harbaugh, would you guys be, would you guys be in on Jim Harbaugh? I'm not a Jim Harbaugh guy. Yeah. I just don't think his antics. I mean, we've seen, I think we've seen it run its course, right? We saw, I mean, the players literally hated his guts in San Fran by the time the thing was over. He's goofy. I just don't think it works in the NFL and it's kind of best for him to stay at uh, Michigan where he can kind of run the show, get unlimited talent, and uh, keep that. But I know, Alex, you were kind of big on uh, Jim Harbaugh before uh, before the uh, show. Look, I, I know he ran his course in San Fran, and the players were not fans of him. And he kind of took his name out of the running right. It looks like he wants to stay at Michigan. But I think he'd be a good candidate as well. Uh, his three years in San Francisco, 44-19-1. They had a Super Bowl appearance, conference championship appearances. I get that, like, it – runs his course and it's not like not great for the pros that style, but like he got a lot of wins. Right. And that's what ownership looks, looks at. And I think they would definitely give Jim Harbaugh another shot, but it looks like, I don't think he's going to be uh, leaving Michigan at this point. No, I don't uh, think so. As he said, he has to hit the recruiting shot. I think he would be kind of a good fit if there was a team that was like, surprisingly was like right on the cusp of a Super Chicago. Bowl. Contention. I don't know about Chicago. I don't know if he's like, if they're one Harbaugh, away but I don't know if there was like a team that was on the cusp of a Super Bowl but fired the coach I don't know a difference of opinion with the coach and like he could come in and uh year one right I think as the years roll on with Harbaugh he just sours and sours as a uh, NFL level head coach compared to a college head coach and I heard Blaine you said you're out on Harbaugh as even a thought yeah I'm out 
I'm out on him at Michigan. I'm out on him where anywhere where I have to watch outside <laughs> my pro football team. That's facts. The 1982 running offense really, uh, really isn't it. And um, yeah, I don't know for everybody that said since he shouldn't have been in the playoff, Michigan probably shouldn't have been in the playoff, but um, yeah. Any kind of uh, closing thoughts before we head into the weekend and get ready to uh, see how these uh, playoffs unfold. No, I'm just, I'm just ready to watch the games. I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm ready to watch it. Exactly. And, and you know, I guess the only other thought I have is, 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 one of those that you can't really speak on until it happens, which is something absolutely bananas and ridiculous is going to happen and make something that one of us said look absurd. And that's what I can't wait for. Oh yeah, dude. I've been doing this for 18 weeks. Uh, trust me. It's at least once a week where something <laughs> that I came on here, it completely gets flipped upside down and just slaps me right in the face for even saying it. So, I mean, I'm fully, I'm already adjusted and aware and ready. And it's actually, uh, yeah, I mean, you hit it. It's probably going to happen. Any closing thoughts uh, from you, Alex? Right there with y'all. Just super excited to watch the games. There's going to be one result this this weekend that's going to be outrageous, and hopefully that's an Eagles ass kicking. <laughs> For sure, yeah. As I said, get the coats ready. We're going to uh, Green Bay. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for the wild card uh, weekend preview. Uh, please like, subscribe, and comment. If you have any suggestions, drop those below. Uh, as always, the Spotify link will be dropped in the description as it goes uh, live. At the same time, this video will be on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week to kind of wrap up the uh, wild card and jump into some uh, divisional matchups.